This is episode 57, Oral Facial Examination featuring Amy Graham. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of SLP's Wine and Cheese. I'm Maria. I'm Dad. And here's our fabulous guest, Amy Graham. Hi everybody. Welcome to our show, Amy. We are so excited to have you. I'm excited to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. I'm a big fan of your Instagram. Same here. Oh, that's awesome. Thanks, guys. Yeah, I love all of your videos. And you inspired me to buy the, how do you say, the name of the cards? Oh, Bjorn Speech Sound Cues. Bjorn Speech Sound Cues. Oh, yeah. So great. Yeah. Um, So before we get too much into our chat, we are drinking... We're switching it up. We have White Claw Hard Seltzer. It's raspberry flavored. Um, and if we're you're wondering what that is. Yeah. It's spiked sparkling water with a hint of raspberry. Mm-hmm. And it's only 5% alcohol. Right. So a little lighter, I believe, than wine. Right. So, you know, we're taking it easy. And lately, I've been getting into all these uh, hard seltzers, and I do enjoy them. And yes. this one, I really enjoy because it's not like overly sweet with this raspberry flavor because nobody wants that yeah so i definitely vote drink it yeah i love drink it too not overly sweet it's telling me it's only got two grams of carbs and 100 calories i feel light drinking it so yeah and they're not even a sponsor they're not a sponsor but they should be Mm -hmm. and we paired it with this parmesan cheese that in this kale salad that deb has made for us with some grilled shrimp yeah really quite a combo yeah Sounds really good. What do you have, Amy? I have some apothic red. I actually poured it into a wine glass. So mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's not in my mug anymore. <laughs> because it is available at Costco. Nice. Nice. It's cheap. And my cheese um, does the cheese powder on my popcorn count. Yes. That's what I got. Absolutely. I like okay. it. Excellent. Popcorn is a nice, healthy snack. I love it. It's my weakness. Great. So I love popcorn and pretzels. Those are my favorite snacks, I think. Does Nutella count as a snack or no? Well, I might feel a little bit extra guilty if I had Nutella. <laughs> oh, well. And the whole snack. As much as I eat pretzels and, and popcorn. Yes. All right. So we want to get to know Amy a little bit more. So Amy, if you can give us a quick little uh, summary about yourself, and then we'll get to know you a little bit more. Sure. So I live in Colorado. Um, I'm in Colorado Springs and I have a private practice that is, I I like to call it a boutique private practice because basically that's, I think, just code for small. It's just me that works here. Um, I work out of my own home. So I have like a little therapy space in my house. Um, And I have been doing this for about three years. I recently developed an oral mechanism exam form um, that I'm really excited about. And I don't know, what else do you want to know about me? Yeah, right. I have the oral mech exam. I love it. I recommend it to every SLP, but I've mostly been recommending it to new CFs. Oh, awesome. That's great. Yeah, I think it's it's an experience when you go in there and everything's brand new. And at least you have a paper that's a roadmap that's like, I know what I'm doing my first session. Yeah. Well, and that's kind of why I developed it, because I wanted one for myself. Right. (laughs) Um, I was just wanting, you know, we have all those textbooks and some of those, you know, assessment materials from grad school, but they're so lengthy and these huge long, you know, like 10 pages long where you got to write everything out and narrative style. And I just wanted something simple, checklist style, just like boom, 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 let's hit all the majors of a, an oral mech exam. And I couldn't find one. So I kind of started making one on my own. And then the more I talked about it, I just, it seemed like there were a lot of SLPs out there who either felt the same way, like they didn't have a good form themselves or that they didn't feel comfortable really giving a thorough oral motor exam or an oral mech exam. And if they did, then they weren't quite sure how to interpret some of the findings. So that's kind of the genesis of my, of this form that's been out there. I like that you saw that there was a need for something. And instead of just being like, Oh, I don't know what to do. What do I do? I guess nothing. And you took it into your own hands and you 
made something yourself and now I'm sure a lot of people are finding it useful so yeah I've, got, I've gotten a lot of really good feedback I'm, I'm really so far <laughs> I've gotten really good feedback I'm really pleased with the way it's gone right and oh. shared that information too yeah even just hoard it for yourself look at you being so giving <laughs> um so going back to the oral mech yeah. actually you know what before we do that I want to know more about Amy okay okay so tell us, where did you go to school? Uh, I guess undergrad and grad. Yeah, so I'm originally from Southern California. And so I went to Cal State Fullerton in Orange County. So it's a commuter school. So um, I didn't live there. I kind of commuted every day. But I did undergrad there. And I did graduate school there, too. Oh, nice. Yeah, it was great. Deb and I both stayed within the same school, too. We both went to St. John's. That's fine. Yeah, cool. I've been to Colorado and I met so many people from Colorado in Colorado and a lot of them are not originally from Colorado. Very rare. I think I met one person the whole four days that was like, I am an original person from Colorado. What is that? Coloradian? <laughs> Coloradan maybe? I don't know. But I don't it's know. true. I don't it's I think the natives are are a little tired of all of you know. Uh, us moving in, enjoying their beautiful state. But I've been here thirteen years, so I kind of feel like I'm almost a native although I'm sure yeah. the true natives would say no way but <laughs> right that's close enough we'll take it I think so good amount of time I mean I rarely meet people in New York who are actually from New York outside of Staten Island people don't move there from other places yeah <laughs> <laughs> I am here now in Brooklyn right <laughs> Maria's moving to Brooklyn oh, oh my goodness it's I think I broke that news for yeah. our reporter. Well, by the time the episode airs, it'll be more closer to happening. Right. So, but you heard it here first, folks. Yes. Maria is crossing the bridge. That's right. And when is that going to happen? Probably in like the uh, not spring, uh, fall, winter. Yeah, just enjoy oh, that's exciting for now, and then move on to a different borough for the oh, new. I'm thrilled. <gasps> I bet. Yeah, yeah, good times. Anyway, less about me. Now. Yeah, more about Amy. More about Amy. Yeah. So then you uh, moved to Colorado right after school, or tell us a little bit about no, that. No, I'm old. <laughs> so okay. I, moved, I um, moved here when I was pregnant with my second child. So yeah, I had been at, I, I graduated back in the 90s forever ago. So I have, um, I practiced for Gosh, I want to say eight to 10. I'm trying to do the math in my head, which I am not good at. So I, I want to say about eight years before I started having kids. <clears throat> then I, I stayed home a lot of those years and started taking some private clients on the side. Um, and then once my baby, I have three kids. Um, so my baby, who is now 10, once she was in first grade, that's when I decided to go back to work. And I actually started um, going, I actually started back at work at their school that they worked at or that they went to. And so, um, I, I was there for a little, just about a year and started kind of doing the private practice thing on the side. And then it just took off from there. Um, and how did you like being in the same school as your kids? It was so much fun. Yeah. We got to carpool every day and, you know, I was only there part time. So like two and a half days a week, but it was so much fun. I loved it. And just knowing all their teachers really well. And it was great. It was nothing but a good experience. Yeah, I remember as a kid, everyone who had um, at least a family member who worked in the school, like ne no one saw that as problematic. It was just only cool. Like, you know, that's Darcy's mom. That's, you know, like, oh, wow. Uh, so I bet that was fun for your kids as well. It was as long I, they were all in elementary school at that point. So, you know, once now my youngest is going into high school, she, she probably would have a different opinion about that, but. Right. There's mom again looking at. Yeah, right. Lunch. Exactly. Keep it around the corner. school when you're 15. <laughs> okay. So were you predominantly in the pediatric setting for the majority of your career? Yeah, I, I mean, I did my CFY in a, in a public school, and I was in quite a few public schools. I did, I worked in somebody else's private practice for a time. Um, I did some, you know, on-call hours every week at um, an acute rehab facility, because I thought I really wanted to work with adults. 
Um, and then I find out that was crazy stressful <laughs> after doing that, like on the weekends and after school in the evenings. And it, I was exhausted. So um, I didn't do that very long um, because I had my first baby and I wanted to cut, cut back on my hours and stay home. So I just did that for a little bit. But yeah, most of um, most of my experience in the last 20 years of being an SLP has been um, in the schools. Nice. Yeah, I hear what you're saying about the adult rehab setting. I spent a fair amount of time in that setting for the past three years, and it was really great for me when I was working there assisting a main SLP. Mm -hmm. I kind of like took the stragglers, I followed her instructions, I was here periodically, but then once that individual left and they were like, you've been here the longest, you're in charge, I was like, I cannot do this. This is not the job for me. I do not know enough. I do not have enough experience. This is crazy. I mean, just to know insurance, um, the different types, like at that rate, I was like, this is not going to work. Yeah. It's a whole other beast for sure. Yeah. So, Sounds a lot. I'm going to take a sip of this seltzer yeah. just cool myself <laughs> off listening to all this stuff. You know, but I just like the adults. They were fun. No, yeah, working with adults is is great. Mm -hmm. I like that you could really explain what you're doing and like right none of that like fluff. Like, oh, we gotta play a game to work on like tongue tips. Right here with the adult, you're like, this is what we're doing. Ready, go. (laughs) And the only motivation I had to do was like to have a conversation with them because that's all they wanted to do was like Uh just chat. Meanwhile, like today, I had. 72 toys, which was not right. You don't, you don't really have to trick adults into doing what you want them to do most of the yeah, time. Exactly. And they, they can't run away most yeah. of the time. Right. They, exactly. So well, and it was tired. I, I, it was mentally exhausting too, going from working with, you know, kids who were between the ages of five and 12, or sometimes it was in high school, and then going to work with elderly patients who are, you know, it's completely, you're running the whole gamut of our scope of practice. And it was hard to keep up with the, you know, evidence-based practice and, you know, the research. And so, yeah, it's a lot. Yeah, it is. That being a lot. So now currently you're working in a private practice setting, which works out for you because you don't have a long commute, right? <laughs> I have about two minutes from my bedroom. It's wonderful. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> Do you have a separate entrance to your office or does everyone go through your house? I don't, you know, there is, I know there are some downsides. I've had some people ask me like, but you have people in your house. How weird is that? And, you know, I really haven't had many issues with that. Um, Most, most all my families are extremely respectful of, you know, my, our property and our space. Um, But yeah, it's not for everyone. Like I I really do. I have people in my house um, a lot. And so the nice thing is my main level, because it's, it's in Colorado and a lot of the houses here, most houses have basements. Mm-hmm. And so we kind of have the basement and the, the second story and this main level just kind of stays nice and tidy <laughs> so I can, you okay. know, keep it nice for everybody. Um, but yeah, it is definitely not for everybody. I don't have a separate entrance. People kind of come through my front door and my living room is the waiting room. That's what my next question was going to be is where do, where do parents wait? So the living room. That's nice. Yeah. So I, in the living room or I have like, I have French doors. You can kind of, you can, you guys can see them behind me, those French doors right there. Um, but <clears throat> I have um, seating in my office too. So some parents, you know, if I've got really little guys, three is when I usually start seeing kids at three years old, then a lot of times parents will come in and I'm, I'm, I kind of go with what the parents want to do unless there are some, you know, significant behavioral issues to deal with. Do you have coffee table books? And do you you think about that now that you have a way? Oh, man. (laughs) No, that's a great idea. Deb, you're giving, who was that? Deb or Marie? I couldn't see. Whoever said that. That's me. I need, I know. I need to think about that. Yeah. I can send people messages too. Just like, you know, (laughs) the art of tidying up or like, uh, whatever you think somebody needs to know more about. I was thinking like parenting magazines or even like the actual leader, you know, where you get all of them and sometimes you're like, what do I do with this? Why not? I think I'm just going to subscribe to some magazines that I want to read and then just leave them out and then, you know, business expensive. Yeah, that's a great idea. I like that.
This episode of SLP's Wine and Cheese is brought to you by Fusion Web Clinic. It's an all-in-one practice management software designed specifically for pediatric speech therapists, physical therapists, and occupational therapists. To learn more and check out Fusion's library of free resources, visit them online at www.fusionwebclinic.com cheese. And if you sign up, you get a free demo of the software. Mention the SLP's Wine and Cheese podcast to receive a $50 credit off your first month. Before the oral mech, though, you started at Instagram and you feature videos of yourself doing speech therapy sessions. And so what made you go to that social media route? You know, this is going to be weirdly coincidental, but honestly, Deb, I saw you post a lot of your therapy videos and oh, I thought good. that's a great idea <laughs> because... Um, I think there are so many, especially, you know, there's a younger demographic on Instagram. It tends to be, I feel like the the grandma on there, but um, I feel like there's a lot of CFs and newer SLPs that are on Instagram. And I just feel like seeing in real life what therapy actually looks like and different therapy can look different depending on the SLP and the kids that you're working with. It doesn't all have to look the same. Um, and it can all be effective. And so I thought just to kind of show that, like, you know, I specialize in speech sound disorders. So let me show a clip of how I work on, you know, consonant cluster reduction or a phonology session or an apraxia session. And I just kind of put it out there, not thinking anything of it. And then I got such a huge response that I just kind of decided every week I would try to put at least a few clips on there of me doing a particular type of therapy. I love it. Nice. Does it, do you feel like it motivates you a little bit more to get through your day? It totally does. In fact, um, you know, I love to, I, the nice, that's the nice thing about only specializing in speech sound disorders. I feel like it's relatively simple to lesson plan <laughs> because I've, I've got my targets that, you know, the games can be whatever I can, you know, as long as I get a, a ton of trials of a particular target for that child, you know, we can play whatever game. So, but it, yeah, it totally motivates me to, to be creative and think, Oh, okay, let me show this particular methodology for this child because this really might help another SLP. So yeah, I'm constantly kind of thinking critically through my day. Right. I like yeah. I feel That's like it's inspiring me and maybe I should be making more videos. I want lots more people to do it. I think, okay. I think Amy's got a great point that, um, that all SLPs are different in their own way, but all the therapy is still effective, but yeah. still, I mean, we do do a lot of similar things. Like, all of right. us, not just, I'm not just saying like you and I, just because we both have the videos out. I've seen a lot of Amy's videos and yeah. that's why I think we've messaged before about prom too and stuff. So it's very yeah. interesting. Yeah. Maybe I will do that. Yeah. So it's nice to see not only like everyone is unique, but then also like we are all doing kind of the same like sing song kind of things, the repetitions, the cards and stuff. So it's nice yeah. to, to, um, it's good for people who feel like they're lost or they need ideas, but I think it's also good for people to feel reassured that they're not the only ones doing certain things. Yeah, very true. Well, and I thought too, when, um, you know, just in graduate school, you hear about the theory and, you know, what, what we should be working on, but the how is very infrequently shown. Okay, like, great. I get that that's the target we're supposed to work on, but how do you pull that out of a kid? who right. is four years old and timid and shy and doesn't want to talk to you. And so I feel like seeing it in real life just helps those real life questions. Yeah. And I, I hope to see more SLPs do it in the future as well. Me too. Me too. Yeah, why are we hiding? We should okay. not be hiding. We should all be like, you know, let's get on the same page. Let's all be yeah. inspired and not so like dragged down. I feel like I feel so, I hear so often about, um, burnout um, and things like that. And, um, I'm not saying that I am definitely not immune to burnout. I'm sure it could happen to anybody. Um, but I do think like having a community and having videos and, and making the speech world smaller could lend itself to decreasing that type of stress within the career. I totally agree. Yeah. 
All right. That's my new goal then for September though. Good. Beach right. videos. Um, so Beach then videos. check what do you, what do you think makes a great thorough oral mechanism? Oh wait, actually before that, what do you call it? Okay. I know this is such a terrible. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I originally call it's, it is called the oral facial exam and there's no V it's oral facial <laughs> exam. That's what's on, on the page just because that's what all my paperwork tended to always have. Um, but I mean, it's the same it, oral make exam, oral motor exam. I feel like it, they all kind of mean the same thing. We're just looking at, it's whatever, you know, informal observation um, about how your articulators move and their function and, you know, how, you know, whether or not their impact, they could be impacting speech. So I call it oral facial exam. <laughs> When we were in school, it was called oral peripheral exam. There, yeah, that too. I know. I remember that one too. But I don't hear that one anymore. I don't really hear that one either. I like oral facial exam too. Well, I know because I feel like I called it oral facial exam because we're also observing the face for asymmetries and things like that. So it's not just oral. It's, you know, you're kind of observing the whole face. So right. there you go. <laughs> I feel like I tend to say oral mechanism exam, but... I'm open to any title. Also, yeah, and I, I feel like most people probably say oral mech exam, you okay. know? And so, yeah, I should probably rename it, Deb. I don't know. No, no, no. I like oral exam. I like oral exam, too. So then now, what are some things that can be revealed in the oral mech exam or, like, maybe top three things that you look for when you gain a new client for speech sound production? Well, I feel... Um, First of all, I just wanted to say too, before I do an oral MAC exam, I always make sure I have a really good case history on the child too. Yeah, because so a lot of times things might pop up and you're going, oh my gosh, there, you know, there seems like there's some weakness. And I think you guys, did you just have a podcast about this recently? Yes. Yes. I think I, I started listening to it. I didn't get to finish it. Um, but it is so important because a lot of times, you know, I, if I see something in the case history or the medical history or developmental history, I might highlight a couple things like, okay, really look at this and see if this is impacting their speech. Um, and so I feel like that is kind of the first thing we should always be doing is getting a, a thorough um, case history. But as far as, gosh, the top three, that's a really good question because I, I think sometimes in your mind, you think you might have a top three. And then if you do that, uh, like a, a really thorough oral facial exam, like this checklist, and you follow all of it, um, things might pop out that you wouldn't even expect. Um, sometimes, you know, you're finding maybe some weaknesses or um, absent weaknesses. Sometimes, you, you know, you see a child who looks really hypotonic, and you're like, oh, man, this kid's, you know, probably got dysarthria, and come to find out, you know what, their, their strength is actually pretty good. It's just they're, you know, at rest, they look, you know, like they've got low tone. Um, a lot of times though, I will find, I think tonsils can be a big issue with some kids too, because you, I have, I've had a few that have sounded really hyponasal and, you know, parents say, you know, you know, we've taken her in and she doesn't have any allergies or anything. And then I look and look in her mouth and like, wow, those tonsils are enormous. You know, that, that might be an issue. Talk to your, you know, your ENT. Um, so I think first of all, I'm looking for anything structural. Um, and then secondly, you know, you're looking for functional too. So not just how things look and how the palate looks or the tongue looks, but how are they moving during speech? Um, and this form should help you kind of walk through each step to look at each of the articulators relatively thoroughly. Right. It, it really does. And it made me think, wow, I haven't done this enough. <laughs> like, wait, wait. Um, because if I were to, if someone were to ask me the question I asked you, I'd say the first thing I want to know if this kid has a tongue tie. I always just am like, let me get that out of the way because yeah. I just learned over time. Like I have found six months later that a child had a tongue tie. So now I just never want that to happen again. So as soon as I see a kid, I'm like, put your tongue on your nose. Yeah, right. Because I want to know because I don't want to be that, that, I keep wanting to call myself a loser for not having seen it, but like, I don't want that to happen to me again. Um, yeah, I think it's more common than we realize because, you know, I've been, I, I worked for a, um, a contract company and I 
would fill in when I was in California, I'd fill in for a lot of SLPs. Um, and, you know, so, I, you know, you just kind of had to pick up where they left off with therapy. And sometimes I would have to go back and say, okay, well, this, here's this child, you know, speech issue. Okay. Well, let me go back and check what the oral mech exam found and come to find out they're just one wasn't done. And so, which, you know, I think it's more common than we think. So I, I feel like part of my, um, <laughs> my mission is to kind of spread the word. Like if you have a child with any kind of reduced intelligibility or speech sound issue, always do one. Cause you might find something that never would have occurred to you could be impacting their speech. Right. Exactly. It's a great tip. Yeah. Cheers to that tip. Cheers to everyone. Yeah. <laughs> Cheers. And then also everyone who's, if you're listening to this in the summer and you're thinking, I got to get prepared for the next school year or, you know, this coming clients, if you're in a private practice, just, you know, you might feel overwhelmed, but if you just start off with the oral facial examination mm -hmm. that Amy has prepared, then you already have like your yes. first session done. I was going to say that. Yeah, I feel like if anything, that alleviates some pressure because there, what do I do? It's like do an oral mechanism exam, oral facial exam, whatever right. you want to call it. And because right. that's such a great assessment and such a tool, and also, why not? If you're not sure what to do for therapy yet, right. keep assessing. Yeah, do an all about me worksheet and uh, Amy's speech oral facial exam. And she's got diagrams on there too, and it's very easy, like check marks and stuff. So it's not like, it's not like, look at the cheeks. Like, right, yeah. <laughs> it's not like that. Hello there, cheeks. Right, yeah. Right. And you're like, okay, those are cheeks. Got it. Check. <laughs> cheeks are there. <laughs> Client <laughs> demonstrates cheeks. <laughs> right. Is Got there, it. Is there a tongue present? <laughs> yeah. There is a tongue there. I am winning. No. Yeah. So it's just telling us what to look for right. with well, each articulator. I like that. <laughs> Well, and that's, that's kind of why I decided, you know, I thought, okay, well, I'll put together this checklist and, you know, yeah, is there, is there good symmetry? Okay, how's the range of movement with this task and that task? And then, you know, the more I put it out there to say, okay, it's almost ready. I've got so many messages from people saying, okay, but can you explain it a little bit? Like what, you know, how, how do you really assess that? And so I thought, okay, I need to go a lot more in depth. So, you know, I've got, I think like four full pages full of, Kind of basically that kind of align with the checklist to say, okay, this is what you're looking for. This is how you assess it. And then at the very end, okay, if you're seeing, you know, A, B, and C, this is what you might want to think about, or might, you know, maybe it's a referral to an, you know, an ENT or, you know, a neurologist even. Sometimes, you know, we find, we can find some of those first red flags for some issues that a child may have that, you know, even pediatricians miss. Um, I just, I, I recently had, I did um, an oral facial, <laughs> I, I keep wanting to say oral neck too, an oral facial exam um, on a child and we found some hypernasality and it, it looked to me like there was not really good velar movement during phonation and come to find out, you know, we got a referral to um, our cleft palate team and yeah, sure enough, there was some VPD oh, wow. dysfunction. So, you know, sometimes we're the first people that notice that kind of stuff. Right. Yeah. Same thing happened to me uh, with a client that I had and well, actually multiple times it's happened. There was one child that I had who I was like, this child's not progressing because they have tongue tie. And then mm -hmm. the uh, special ed coordinator went to me and she was like, well, have you read his IEP? And then I was like, yes. But that, like, she said it in a way where I was like, well, I clearly missed something. Right. Why are you saying it to me like that? And she's like, he had complete oral reconstructive surgery. He goes to doctors regularly. If that were to be the case, then they would have seen it. And I was like, but here's a picture. I'm showing it to you now. And then sure enough, I told the mom and then the mom went to the doctor and yeah, he had to, he got it lasered and voila. I mean, right away, all he wanted to do was talk about the way it tastes to have the, the um, stitches in his mouth. Oh, okay. But then once we got past that, Good. everything else improved pretty rapidly. And it, it's amazing, isn't it? And I think sometimes we as SLPs think, oh, you know, I'm sure they're specialists. They know what they're talking about. But 
you know, the longer I've been doing this, the, I mean, I'm going on 20 years now, the more I find that, you know, ENTs, pediatricians, they know so little about the things that we know a lot about. And so I think we need to be a little more confident in our referrals. And if, you know, you're really confident that, okay, this is an appropriate referral and you get like, for example, I've sent kids a hyponasal child, huge tonsils, couldn't nose breathe at all. I mean, complete mouth breather. And an, an ENT said, no, she's not hyponasal. She's fine. And I asked the parent, well, did he talk to her? He's like, well, no, they never talked to her. <laughs> well, probably not a good referral. So you need to go see a different specialist. So I think we need to trust our instincts a lot of times more than we do. Yeah, I had a kid with a sudden postal clef and uh, told the parents, I was like, I can't really tell you for sure, but based on my findings, I'm just quite confident that this is here, so let's rule it out before we do speech therapy, which will be a waste of time. So they sent him to this ENT, and I couldn't wait to hear back from this guy. He called me, and he was like, listen, there's nothing there. The kid didn't talk that much, but he's fine, and there's no way he was going to let me scope him. I looked at him, he's good. And I was like, is this guy kidding me? <laughs> and then I, I Googled him, and I saw his picture. I'm like, this guy is way too attractive to be right. <laughs> <laughs> He just probably is just like this Upper West Side doctor who just like has people coming in and out, just telling them what they want to hear. And like, I don't even know. <laughs> so then I was like, no, you got to go to the cranial facial team at NYU. Turns out I was right. Hot guy wrong, dead right. <laughs> I feel like this is like an ENT confession time because I too <laughs> had a hyper nasal kid and I'm like something's not right you know go to the yeah. ENT ENT said everything was good and I'm just like no it can't be it can't and then yeah I don't really remember the end of that story, this, is, this is something I learned too I think when we when we talk to each other and you find an SLP that has a specialty like I've spoken to the SLP on our craniofacial team here in town or, or I, um, and I've had specific questions. She has given me such great advice. Like she even told me, you know, you can send a child, you know, if it's hyponasal, send them to a pediatric ENT, but if it's hypernasal, please send them to a team because that's who needs to see that kid. Wow. And so, you know, these are things that I don't think a lot of SLPs know that unless you're, you specialize. Yeah, that's my new advice starting a year ago. I didn't know that. Just send them yeah. to a cranial facial team. Don't go yes. to an ENT, don't go to Totally. Right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Correction. There's another hot ENT on Staten Island. Uh, oh, that guy. How do you say that name? Kaiko? I never heard of him. Oh, well, you should go check him well, out. You maybe find I out. will. Because <laughs> I have never referred anyone to him. Yeah. So. Well, you should. I went once with my cousin. Okay. Anywho. So, um, <laughs> What led you to specialize in speech sound disorders of, of all of the gamut of things right. that you could be a professional in? Well, first of all, I think originally that's all I thought SLPs did was, was like fix R's and S's because um, my sister had, had to have speech therapy when she was little. And so I had to get, you know, I got drugged all her speech therapy sessions. I thought, oh, that's kind of cool. And so it was kind of in the back of my mind. Um, and then, yeah, later down the road, I, I, you know, major decided to go ahead and major in it. Um, halfway through the major, I found out you had to have a master's degree. So that was kind of a, oh, okay. I guess it's more schooling for me. Um, and then I just, I think the speech sound disorders part has always appealed to my, I like the, I guess I like the mechanical nature of when your mouth does this, your voice does this, this is what happens. Like you can perceptually tell what's going on in that mouth. Like if you hear a lateral lisp, you're like, yep, I know exactly what's going on with that tongue. You know, you can, I feel like it's, it's very cut and dry. And when you're doing, um, when you're even, you know, monitoring progress, you can very easily measure that. And for me, language has always been kind of, you know, nebulous and, I, I'm just, it's not my strength. I don't enjoy it as much. I like that kind of concrete nature of, oh, you've got a phonological disorder. Here are my, you know, three therapeutic techniques that I can use. I'm going to pick the best one for you. Or if you have a motor speech disorder, great. I've got my bag of tricks here. I know exactly what to do with you. Um, and so I just, for me, it was just much more cut and dry as far as the assessment and then the treatment. 
Yeah, I agree. I, Definitely agree with that too. Yeah. But in in your defense too, in our defense, I think a lot of times <laughs> when you are working on motor speech and speech sounds, you're still targeting language too. Like absolutely, that's true. So it's a you're still doing right. language. There's only so like, many Z words. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> zest. Zest. I, I just looked up auxiliary like, words alphabetically is how I do that. Means kids don't know what zest is, but you know what? It's a good teaching opportunity. Now they know. <laughs> I don't know how many fancy cupcakes they're making at home, but maybe, yeah. they, should, maybe they should be making some zesty Right. Okay. Um, Michael's grand Michael's uncle put some orange zest in a, a pancake, and she said, "Oh, well, Carl, you a genius!" Oh, and okay. it's been like a big family story forever. So you know, <laughs> zest will take you a long way. I'm not complaining about the word zest. I actually like that word. Zest. The Z and the S, right? And the T. So that's a nice little tongue tip word for right. you. Right. So. It's very good. Not it's complaining. A good, it's a good word, and I like good. S when I'm working on S and T too, because then that's that vowel that's going to pull us all back a little bit more. Good. Like little, uh, yeah. Nice. So it's about articulation. Yeah. That's what I, gotta say. I love speech sound um, disorders and perception and phonology because like you said, it's quite cut and dry. And then also sometimes when you're in this, you're like, is this phony? Are we doing anything? Do <laughs> <laughs> need speech therapy? Like, <laughs> Um, but then you have a kid that's got all these speech sound errors and you're like, yes, you belong yes. here and I know what to do. So right. <laughs> like it just gives you that confidence. Well, and I feel like too, even with parents, you know, they can, they can tell like, oh my gosh, you know, yes, I can understand my child or no, I can't. And they can hear, they can hear improvement really quickly too. And that's the other thing I feel like with speech sound disorders, a lot of times, unless it's more, you know, really severe motor speech disorder, they, these kids make progress pretty quickly if you're doing effective therapy. So that's another thing I love. I feel like they can progress really fast. That's so much fun to see. Yeah, I agree with that so much. It's like the biggest confidence booster. I'm to a point where people tell me I'm amazing and say thank you and I don't even say anything because I'm like, this was not... <laughs> We really just repeated the same thing. I told her to stare at my face a thousand times, and uh, it worked. I just brought Barbies. Like we didn't, I didn't do anything here. But, but yeah, like when parents send you videos of their kids just like talking, and everyone finds them so much clearer. It is a great feeling. Well, they make us look good. That's for sure. Yes, yes. yes that's I good. hear you. Mm -hmm. like, I am a hit at the family party. <laughs> oh yeah, yes. yes. When those secondhand, secondhand, you know, further removed relatives come back in six months, and they're like, "Whoa, they sound right. so much better." Yes. It's like, well, I go to Miss Maria now on Tuesday. <laughs> you know, it's always the parties. The parents <laughs> always come back yes. and say it's the parties. They're like, "We had a party this week, and everyone said how clear he was." <laughs> because the family that hasn't seen them in three, four, five months can right. hear the difference as opposed to mom and dad who hear them. Yeah, right. Other day, no. I'll even tell my parents too when they start with me. You know, make some recordings of how of how your child is talking now, and in six months, let's look back and I like see what is the difference. And sometimes you forget. You know, even I forget. You know, I've seen kids for you know months or, and years, and you go back and you happen to hear a recording. You're like, oh my gosh, that's right. <laughs> I forgot how, how much improvement you've made. So that's always encouraging. That's such a great tip. I love that tip. Yeah. Media yeah. tips. <laughs> I mean, should we go into tips or tricks? Oh. Or what do you mean by tips? That's what I meant. I thought okay. we, we should all we yeah. should all share a, a speech, speech therapy, a speech sound production tip and therapy, and then we should see if Amy's got anything she'd like to plug, which I think she does. And then yeah, we'll call it a day. Okay, I guess I'll go first. Well, I recently mm -hmm. have discovered not discovered, but I really like. When you're working on the S sound, to do the word C because your lip is back already for the E because of the co-articulation, and then I like to pair it with the mirror. And then it was great because when you played the game and you could apply that word, ooh, let me see when you're playing a game. Like the way I did it, we did a fishing game. So ooh, let me, let's do that word again, C. And it can work in Spanish too for yes. So <laughs> there you go. Double whammy of why I like the words. Yeah. Perfect. I love it. Dynamic assessment. <laughs> <laughs> it's just a good word. And the jaw is already up. 
right for E, we're not dropping it. So just their tongue is right where it needs to be and the jaw is still here. So. Yeah. I like the long E. It's one of my favorite sounds for practicing. Um, so I'll do my tip next and then our headliner, Amy Graham, will do her <laughs> So my tip is I'm starting with all new preschoolers because I it's summertime and now I have a new caseload and I'm going to a new school next year too. But I haven't had preschoolers in a year. Last year I was only in elementary school. Um, so I'm going back to preschool. And I'm learning that like, oh, we have to start from square one, which is like not something as familiar to me because like I said, I was in a preschool for three years in a row. Like I was there three years in a row. So all those kids knew me and I was in an elementary school for two years. So I didn't have that many new clients. And um, my tip here is in the beginning, all I'm trying to get them do, to do is to look at what I'm saying repeat what I want them to say, and then I give them the reinforcement. Yes. And they're a little bit, it's too early, too soon to work on perfection. I don't correct anything. As long as they're looking what I'm saying and they're approximating what I'm doing, we're moving on and they're getting the reward. I do not intend to correct anyone, not even next week, maybe the week after that. You're setting up the rules yes. and expectations of speech. Yes. Say something. You yes. get something. That's a great, yeah, that's so important at that age is just set the expectation for what, what those kids need to be doing. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So that's it. Just everyone calm, hold your horses, mm -hmm. <laughs> just make sure that they're looking, they're vocalizing and you're giving something. And then, then once they get comfortable with you, then you can start bossing them around and like <laughs> asking them to guiding them. You say boss around, I know, I know you mean guiding them. I, I like directives. I am pretty bossy. I mean, today, are, no? today with my girl who loves me, she was like, she was doing yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was like, I have told you to stick out your tongue. What is it that you're doing? You are not sticking out your tongue. Let me see that tongue. And that's how I talk to them, and they just giggle, and they like it. Yeah, but okay. no more if they're happy, yes. though. Yeah, I always say, if they're yeah. feeling happy in speech, then we're having a good speech session. <laughs> What's your tip or trick, Amy? Okay, so I'm going to give you my best tip for a lateral lisp. Oh, wow. wow. This is the, we should have a whole, can you come back and do a whole lateral lisp? Episode? You can totally do that, because... Yes. Well, let me tell you, I have been, um, actually, I'm super excited about it because I've been developing a new set of Bjorn speech cards. Oh. Typically, yeah, they're going to, hopefully we're, we're crossing our fingers, but I think they should be ready by ASHA. Um, oh, good. That'll be so good. Yeah. I know. I'm so excited. But these are cue cards that are specifically geared towards remediating lateralizations. Mm -hmm. um, so my biggest tip, and it kind of inspired this whole deck of cards, is basically when you get a child who lateralizes, you they have to relearn an entire new motor plan for this new S sound because they they do not know how to how to um, get the sides of their tongue to anchor against their molars, which is what you need to do for the right kind of airflow to make a good S. Right. Yeah. And so what I have told all my kids is forget about us. We're not learning us anymore. We're not going to do us. A lot of the kids that I see, they've been through years of speech therapy. Right. And they're kind of almost, you know, the S is kind of okay, but it's not, you know, completely corrected. And so I always tell them we're done with us. Forget about us. We're going to make an entirely new sound. And just that idea of the fact that they're done with that old sound kind of switched does something and it switches in their brain to where, oh, okay, I'm going to do something different with my tongue now. And so it's let me kind of shape that sound. Um, because a lot of times when I'll say, okay, just say this S sound, but make sure your tongue is doing this and that and, and over here and touching here and doing this. And then the minute you put that sound into a word, they lateralize again. And they just, you know, it's so hard to generalize. So what I do is I, we make a little symbol and these new speech sound cues are going to have its own brand new symbol for this, for our new S sound. Um, and we just learn how to say it. And this is the new sound we're making. Forget S. We're not doing S anymore. We're going to do this sound instead. Uh -huh. And usually that has been the key to these kids 
generalizing the new S sound, the non-lateralized S. So that's my, that's my um, tip. No matter how you teach your, you know, your kids not to lateralize, the straw method, the butterfly method, whatever, call it something different. Don't call it S anymore. Call it something else. Love it. That's great. Yeah. I only had one lateralizer in my whole career. Really? During really? my death, and I was clueless. They, they can be tricky. I had no clue. And not only did I have no clue, but nobody else in the office had a clue. And they decided that it was best for this kid who was returning to see me because I'm so young and energetic and upbeat. And I was so drill based because, and I still am drill based, but they decided that the person who had next to zero experience <laughs> was better than any of them trying to do it further. So you know why they did that is because nobody wants to work yes. with laterals. Right. I'll take and a lateral kid. It scares the heck out of everybody. I don't know, you know, it, it just does. It, it's, it's just a tricky one to remediate. Sometimes I just feel like, give me any kid. Let's see what happens. Yeah, let's just see what happens. That's how I feel like at this point. That's okay. how I feel at this point. So yeah. Well, I'm like, <laughs> if I can't, then I should know. Right. I'll figure it out. Yeah. 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 That's funny. Um, so are you in, are you in collaboration with Bjorn? Yeah, I've been, I've been talking with Jenny for a couple of months. She kind of reached out to me because I, I did some videos on my Instagram yeah, you about have some, You're the one who inspired me. You should have an affiliate code because I bought those because of you. Oh, man. I'll have to talk to Jenny about that one. That's awesome. I'm so yeah. glad. Yeah, I, used and I just got them last week. Oh, aren't they? Are, are you using them a ton? I just, okay, so I just got them and um, I have used them a ton. I've used them like four times already because I just got yeah. them. But um, yeah, they're great. I feel like they might be, they're better, they, they're better for my bigger kids. Like my five, like my little, little kids. Yeah. I haven't really found my way with using them so much yet. You have to be I, more creative for sure with the little guys, for sure. Yeah. With the little, yeah. So for them, I feel like I haven't found my sweet spot, but I like like my five or older kids with it. Uh -huh. I do have one, do you have a favorite card? Oh my gosh. I like them all. I can't think of a favorite one off the top of my head. I'd have to bring them out. Do you? They are Everything? all great. And now they all are great. Pause. <laughs> I'm going to edit this out. Okay. But what about, oh. Do you remember the O card? I do remember oh, the O card. O. Yeah. What is it called? Isn't it O? What is it? Lady O face. It is not. Yes, it is. <laughs> Are you serious? Okay. Hold on. Wait. <laughs> Lady O face. Yeah. Are you for real? There's yeah, no way. Like, speech pathologists are so dirty. <laughs> well, I, I've had Let's drinks with Jenny, so, you know. That's all I yeah. can say. I mean it in a good way that we all... Oh, my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, what is it? Lady O sound. Long O, like in toe. Or orgasm. We all knew it. You know, we're all inferences. Like, <laughs> oh my gosh, that's hilarious. Oh, that's I'm going to be texting Jenny immediately. That is so hysterical. In your next meeting. Just, oh, I missed that part, sorry. In your next meeting, just, you know, put it on the table. I will. I, I know. I'm going to have to. <laughs> what are we putting on the table? I might be like, so oh, Jenny. <laughs> Lady O sound is just the fun. Like I'm like I hope Mike doesn't see this. He's gonna make fun of me. Oh my gosh, that's hysterical. <laughs> I'm just looking here. It okay. could be oatmeal. I would think. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I was thinking octopus. Like oh, it has to be O. Oh, that has to be like a O. Oh. Anyway, version two. Version two. Now here we go. I'm gonna edit this out. Okay. <laughs> I agree with you. They're all wonderful. I especially like the uh, mean cat, mean cat picture for the F sound. Oh. That's a good one. That's a good one. I, I think I like, I like the ah sound a lot because it's just the kids automatically know. Well, I like that. I think with most of these, the kids automatically know what the sound is almost before you even teach them. 
Right, and they start doing the picture stuff, but her tongue is wiggling around. That little girl today who I'm constantly telling her to stick out her tongue, I, I just showed her the card of the um, the uh, tongue buzzy, the buzzy tongue. Yeah. Sticking out her tongue. I'm like, so now you do it? Yep. That, that was good. I'm going to use the buzzy tongue for the L a little bit. Totally, yeah. But we did have the L out, the singing, when we were doing la, la, la for like okay. a good 15 minutes straight. We'll see what they have to uh, But yeah. Okay. So before we get out of here, I was wondering if you have any sort of quote or mantra or anything that you tell yourself either all the time or recently that helps you get what you need to get done and get through your day and things like that. Do you have any quotes or mantras that you... Oh man, I wish I were a quote or mantra person. (laughs) That would have been great. Um, You know... I don't know. I just feel like I'm, I'm always kind of, it's hard to try to find the balance, especially when, you know, you're working out of your home like I do. Um, so it's, it's always a struggle to keep, you know, family separate from work. And especially when you're working out of the house and you have all these online things going on and social media, but um, I don't know. I just try to, I just try my best to remind myself when I'm home, I'm home. And after five o'clock they, you know, the computer goes off, <laughs> no more report writing. That's good. After, like after what time? Five o'clock. Five o'clock. Nice. I like both of your quotes. After five o'clock, the computer goes off and it's always a struggle. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's always a, I think that that should be the, the number one. It's always a struggle. It's always a struggle. Yeah. I was going to say, combine those two. It's always a struggle after five o'clock when the TV, when the computer goes off. Because <laughs> yeah. then you're like, new job, momminess, you know, right. mommy time. And I don't have that job. job. You know what I mean. That's <laughs> wrong word. Wrong connotations with the word job. New, <laughs> new responsibilities. Right. Well, there's lots of duties. Lots of duties. Lots of duties. Yes. Both, all the kind of duties, I'm sure. <laughs> Your kids are old, so they don't have those. Very true. Yeah. Okay, well, thank you so much for spending this night with us and uh, bearing with us through all those technical difficulties. This was fun, girls. Thanks so much. Before we go, though, Amy, please tell the listeners where they can find you on Instagram or any other um, social media. So my my Instagram is Graham Speech Therapy, um, and you can find my oral mech exam at grahamspeechtherapy.com. Um, and I've got a 10% discount code. Woo! Yes. Whatever month that this particular podcast <laughs> airs. Okay. So I'll let you ladies decide that. Um, but the discount code will be 10% off if you use the code wine and cheese. Wine and cheese. All right. So you heard that, folks. You got to go get that oral facial examination because it's a. It's a therapy saver and it a life saver. Yeah. So yeah. coupon code wine and cheese. Got it. Okay. Thanks. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. Good night. Deb, I'm back. Um, Just thought I'd come on here to let you all know that I know I didn't edit out that part I said I was going to edit out because my mouse battery is dead and I can't find a replacement. So I'm sure it's fine, but uh, don't email me saying it's there still, I know. And uh, check us out on Patreon. Have a good night.